Influencing popular culture, politics, and everything in between. The local station takes you ringside as we discuss the crazy world that is professional wrestling. This is Going Ringside with The Local Station. Hello there. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Going Ringside. Today you're watching episode 13, if you're watching them in order. Now, today I'm very excited about the topic, but before we get to that, I want to explore last week we talked about the current business status of WWE with their merger with UFC and AEW with their big Wembley Stadium show going on. You can get episode 12 right now wherever you get your podcast. Some important stuff there and stuff we're going to continue to follow here on going ringside as those things continue to develop for both companies. Um, today I am excited about the person we have on hand. He's a contemporary of the these three gentlemen who I decided to break out my old LJN figures from the 80s. We got the Hulkster, we got Sheik, and we got the Macho Man there today. I've got others. I may rotate them out depending on the episode. But the contemporary of these three who we're talking to and sit down with today for a lengthy interview is Jake the Snake Roberts. Now, you of course have known Jake. He's been in the business for almost 50 years. I didn't realize that. So Jake is currently working for AEW and will be in Jacksonville next month. So he's coming to River City WrestleCon. This is the first episode we're really talking about WrestleCon. We're going to have a lot more on that coming up in coming weeks. But that's June 10th and June 11th. It's going to be held at the Jacksonville Fairgrounds. I've seen a lot of guys they have on hand. Uh, Brian Danielson, Jake Roberts. Uh, I see RVD might be there. Devon Dudley. I've heard reports maybe a Kurt Angle. So a big crowd on hand for Jacksonville's uh, River City WrestleCon coming up June 10th and June 11th. Mark your calendars if you can make it down to the fairgrounds. I plan on being there. We may be doing some live streams from the event, so I want to kind of start talking about that now because we're only a few weeks out from it. But I'm very excited to talk to Jake today. Jake's interview is um, certainly not for the faint of heart. He's lived a very hard life, and it's very proud and happy to tell me he's been clean and sober for a few years now. Um, Jake, as you know, if you've followed his career, has had a very, very public battle with drugs and alcohol that, is, uh, that has been documented in um, documentaries and things like that, as well as difficulties with the shadow of his father, Grizzly Smith. We explore that. His dad was a wrestler. We explore that. It's a very difficult family life, and he tells me that's why he turned to drugs and alcohol at such a young age and wrestling to an extent. And we're going to explore that in this episode. Also, things like his um, feud with the Macho Man, where I don't know if you remember the angle where Macho Man was actually bitten by his snake. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about him being part of the iconic Austin 316 promo when he's feuding with Austin at King of the Ring 96 and just a lot of other stuff. Jake is a wealth of knowledge on this industry. He has been in it, as I said, for almost five decades. So let's get to it right now. Here is our interview with Jake the Snake Roberts. Well, we are really excited today to be joined by Jake the Snake Roberts, the legend in the wrestling world. All these, I guess, decades it is, Jake. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. Yeah, it is decades of it. <laughs> yeah, what, what, when did you start? Was it the 80s or the 70s? The 70s. Really? Yeah, Was that long ago? 74. How did you get into it? Because you were, were you know. living up in Stone Mountain at the time? No, no, no. I wasn't from Stone Mountain. <laughs> I was raised in Texas. 
Oh, you were? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, my father wrestled, and uh, we didn't get along too well. Mm -hmm. uh, he was an absentee father. Um, not a very nice man. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to prove something to him. Uh, I was trying to gain his love, and um, wasn't getting it. And uh, with alcohol and uh, youth and ignorance all <laughs> coupled up, I got into it. I got into it for all the wrong reasons. I just, I just wanted to prove to my dad that I was tough and I was, a, I was a man. Mm -hmm. And uh, it didn't go that well for me in the beginning. Really? No, it did not. I, unfortunately, I was boneheaded and uh, decided I was going to try the trial and error method of learning. Okay. And that is that is ignorant. What do you mean trial and error? Was this down in Mid-South or where were you at this yes, point? Yes, Mid-South. Okay. Mid-South. I was going to just get in there and go and just keep going and trying and without any coaching or anything. So and what was difficult? Was it, the, was it the injuries or was it the lifestyle? The injuries. The injuries were killing me. Uh, I kept getting them back to back almost, man, because I just, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And uh, finally, I started getting it after about a year and a half. I started getting it. What so, changed? Was it just the amount of ring time you had had, or did someone time. take you under their wing? Ring time. So, ring your dad, time. what was his wrestling name again? Grizzly Smith. Grizzly Smith, that's right. Yeah. So, what's your relationship like with him at this point? Well, he's dead now. No, I, I excuse me, I misspoke. Uh, I meant back when you're back starting then. in the 70s. Ah. Uh, not good. He didn't want me in the business. Really? So, yeah, he didn't want me in the business. So, uh, against all odds and against his best wishes, uh, which I would try to get a job someplace, and he would call him and tell him not to hire me. Oh, that as a starting wrestler, that must have been untenable. Horrible, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to go. I had to go long. I had to go far away to get to get a chance. You know, I wound up going to Canada to really get going. Where in Canada with the Hearts or British somewhere Colum else? No, British Columbia with Gene Kaniski. Okay, yeah, I grew up right there in, in the Portland wrestling territory, so oh, I, I somewhat, okay. I'm somewhat familiar with the BC territory up there. Yeah, Dutch, Dutch Savage and all the rest. Okay. And how long were you there? What happened between that time and did you start touring around before you finally went to WWF? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I made a lot of stops. Uh, yeah. I, I stopped in uh, British Columbia for about uh, 10 months. Then I went to Calgary for about eight months. Was Stu running things back then? Yes, he was. Okay. And then from there, I went back to Mid-South. So you grew up in Texas. What was the transition like to Canada? Had it been frigid? I mean, working for not a lot of money, I'm sure. Not a lot of money, but I, I got plenty of ring time, and that's what I needed. What was you your know? gimmick back then? Just a lanky Texan. Really? Yeah. Did you go by Jake Roberts, or what was your name at that point? Jake Roberts, yeah. You were? Um, yeah. and, and so you, you eventually went back to Mid-South. Is Bill Watts booking it at that time? Yeah. What was Mid-South like? I always heard Mid-South was kind of a brutal territory for tough guys. Uh, it was brutal because of the mileage you put in. 
you know, yeah. you, uh, you did about 2,500 miles a week there. Just driving, I'm assuming, everywhere? Driving from here to there and back and forth. And it was just, it was incredible how many miles you could put in. It, lots of days, 600 miles. A lot of this is in the early 80s, I'm assuming? Yeah. yeah. So along the way, did you ever make men's with your dad? Or did that, were you just separated? We, from finally, we finally did. We finally did uh, towards his end. Mm -hmm. I forgave him. Um, my father was a pedophile. No. Oh. And uh, there was a lot to forgive. This was something you knew about at the time growing up or not? No, until I didn't. Life? No, I did not know. Okay. I knew something was wrong because my mother was 13 when I was born. Really? Yeah. He raped a 12-year-old. And you did not totally understand that, I'm assuming, till later in life? Yeah. 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 Did things get better for you as you progressed during wrestling? Oh, yeah. How did it yeah. start? To, when did it start to improve? Was it down in Mid-South? No, it was, uh, it started getting better, getting better when I was in uh, <clears throat> British Columbia, then Calgary. I was main events, both places. Then I went back to Louisiana and I was mid-card there. So that was good. Was that when like JYD was there and stuff like that? Yeah. Or? Well, okay. I brought JYD in from Calgary. You brought Junkyard Dog in from Calgary, yeah. really? We've been up there wrestling each other. Were you so, surprised how well Dog did? Because he was oh, over yeah. down in that territory. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was surprised, man. Now, were you playing babyface or heel at this time in your career? Babyface, babyface. Really? Did you prefer yeah. babyface or heel or... I because you became one of the best heels of all time. I preferred heel. You did? Why? Oh, yeah. Well, as a baby face, you're expected to do certain things nightly. You know, certain moves you got to do nightly to make the crowd happy. As a heel, you can do anything you want. You can be more... Uh, you can go off the cuff. You can, you know, you don't have to stay to a, a script of any type. You can, you can uh, lead, lead the baby face around because that's what baby faces do. They're led by the heels. Sure. The heel leads them. Did you adopt the snake gimmick at this point or when did, did yeah. that not come about? You had yeah. had it at this point. Yeah. How did you no, get involved with, how did you get involved with snakes? I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want, I didn't want to. But uh, there were some numbers on the contract that convinced me to do it. <laughs> had you, no, had I, you ever worked with snakes before? No, I'm terrified of snakes. I hate snakes. Really? You, yeah, Jake the Snake Roberts, are terrified of snakes? Yes, I am. It's so strange. I'd be terrified 24 hours a day, but when the bell rang, I became somebody else. Jake Roberts was not afraid of anything. Sure. How did but you get to the, how did, was that just, you know, you, you dealt with it on the fly, the fear or, yeah. or you just dealt with it when you're in the ring. Yeah. So when you would go backstage, was it Damien at this point or was it a different yeah. snake? Damien. Well, they how were did all you come, Damien. How did you come across Damien? Tell me about that. Oh, well, WWE got that for me. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And would you travel with Damien or, yes, or was I he would. just a, was it, would you be the one to care for him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Despite the fact that you didn't like snakes. Terrified of them. 
So really? Every, every night it would sleep in my bathtub in the hotels. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So he, you would have to carry this snake around you that you're terrified of yeah. and keep it in your hotel room night after night. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. So, so along the way, so you're in mid South. Did you go directly from mid South to WWF? How did that transition? No, happen? no, 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 no. I, I did two or three things before I went to, uh, events. I went from mid South to the Carolinas to Florida, back to mid South, back to the Carolinas, Georgia, um, world-class, in Dallas. Okay. Then back then back to to Bill Watts. Then I went to New York. Then you go to New York. Were you what was that like for you? Were you excited? I mean, that was pretty much oh, the peak. Yeah, tremendously excited and just blown away by the numbers they were doing. You know, every yeah. night was a sellout. Every so night. you you come in, who are you booked against first? I can't quite remember. So you would have been heel. Who were who were some well, of your was, first feuds with? Uh, my first feud was with Ricky Steamboat. Okay, you, you can't know. get any better than that. No, you can't, man. And from there, it was a honky tonk man. That's when they turned me babyface. Mm -hmm. And, and Damien, there, and at this point, that's when they got Damien for you. Uh, I, when I went in up there, I had Damien. Okay. Yeah, and did that give you a little something? You think for the fans, it just made you stand oh, out. God, yeah, God, yeah, it's the greatest gimmick ever. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what would people would people be afraid of, Damien? I mean, what were the other competitors oh, yeah. like? Yeah, they were scared of it too. <laughs> they were. Oh yeah, oh yeah. A lot of them would say they weren't scared, but by God, whenever I put it on, they were themselves. I remember that famous uh, shot, I think, of Andre seeing him and jumping yeah. out of the ring. What did Andre yeah. think of Damien? He wasn't scared of that snake. Oh, he was not. Interesting. No, 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 no. He just did a good part. So the one that's the most famous that I'm sure you've been asked about for decades is the Randy Savage incident. Right. Where yeah. they bit, where he bit Savage on the arm while while yeah. Randy's tied up on the ropes. Walk yeah. me through that. How did that come about? How tell me about that? Well, it came about. Randy came to the locker room and said, "Yeah, we're going to do something different tonight." I hear. I said, "Yeah, that's what I hear." They want the snake to bite you, and he's like, "Well, are we sure this thing's been fixed? Because it was a king cobra." Fixed by having the venom removed. You mean right? Right. Yeah. I said, of course, man. Are you kidding me? He goes, well, crazier things have happened. So before I let that snake bite me, that snake has to bite you here in the locker room. So for him to do it, I had to let the snake bite me first. Oh, so my I, goodness. I let it bite me on the leg, and he was satisfied with that. And then, of course, I hooked him up on his arm, and uh, he wouldn't let go. <laughs> At this point, had you kind of gotten a little past the fear? I mean, were you able to deal with that at all a little better? I still was scared of him the second the bell would ring. Really? When it, over, when it was over, I got scared again. <laughs> That's fascinating that happened. So then you continue, Babyface, kind of go back to heel, and you're one yeah. of the first major feuds for Undertaker. Yeah. Talk to me about working with Mark Calloway. And oh, it in was those, easy. It was? Oh, yeah, he'd been traveling with me. 
and I'd uh, been screwing him on stuff, you know, and uh, that's my job, you know. So you were along the way known for one of the best promos in the business. You would right. be so cerebral and psychological and evil in the way you talked. Was right. it, Did that come natural to you? Did that come with time? It came with time. You know, and a lot of a lot of work, and uh, and I was covering for an injury I had. Really? I, Tell I, me about that. Yeah, I got a knee in my throat in 1978. Oh, cr crushed my voice box. So this you kind is, of have a you kind of generally have always had a gravelly voice, which you do right now. Would is, that this is as loud as it'll get? Is that because I, of that injury? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really. Who, do you remember the match or how that happened? Bob Roop. Bob Roop was the guy that did it. I've heard the name. Which Where was he at? I don't remember him that well. He was in Florida a little bit. Okay, he so had, you wrestled down here in Florida too? Because that's where we're at. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wrestled in Florida. I was down there with Eddie Graham and Dusty Rhodes and all the group, you know. What was your time like in Florida? It was great. Me and Kevin Sullivan kicked some ass. Really? Yeah, man. We did a great job down there. Was that a good territory for you? It was a fun place. Really? Yeah. So you, tell me back back to the Undertaker feud. Was he green and, and novice at that yeah. point? Because I, I want to say that was the first feud where he really kind of, I think, had to go beyond just a basic character and right. really have a storyline. Right. Yeah, it was. And uh, we carried it off well, man. And uh, I'm proud to say that I schooled him, you know, and he'll tell you that I schooled him. You know, which uh, is kind for him to do because uh, he certainly he certainly learned fast. And your 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 uh, finisher was always your that DDT and your short yeah. clothesline. Yeah. How was that developed? Well, the DDT was an accident. Um, really? Yeah, I had a front face lock on a guy, and he went to push me into the ropes. And when he went to push me, he stepped on my foot, uh, so there I couldn't go, and boom, down we went. Well, hell, I jumped to my feet like, oh, I can't believe I just screwed that up, you know. And I turned and looked, and he's not getting up. It knocked him out. I thought, damn. Yeah, it was an I, over move. I mean, when you, when I watched something. as a fan, that seemed devastating. Yeah, it was. It was. Sure it was. So you told me at the beginning of the show that when you got in, the lifestyle and the substance issues were an issue. Did that continue all the way through this time in the early 90s? Yes. Really? Yeah. Yeah, drinking and drugging, man. Were you ever, did you ever try to kick it or were you so young oh, that sure, you just didn't think sure, so? Sure, sure. I tried two or three times. I went into rehabs. But it was more of what I was dealing with from my history with you know? your upbringing you mean yeah yeah because yeah. my dad was still around through most of this and i was still having to deal with with his demons mm -hmm. you know a lot of people knew what he was and wrestlers aren't real kind when it comes to jokes and stuff yeah so it would be thrown in my face quite a bit really and that was oh, hard yeah. for you on the road to live with that right it was man really you know knowing that he was like that thinking about what he's done thinking about what he could do next um it's just it just 
it just tormented me, man. And plus, my sister had been kidnapped and murdered. What was your sister? Excuse me? What was your sister's name? JoLynn. JoLynn. Is she your only sister, or did you have other siblings? She's my only real sister. Yeah, I've okay. got some half-sisters. Gotcha. Um, so you eventually leave WWF and move on yeah. to WCW yeah. um, and, and do some work there. Uh, going sure, down south. Sure. Yeah, that was short, yeah. Was that a good experience wrong. or not? God knows, a horrible experience. Really? Why? Yeah, Bill Watson and I got into it. Because he was booking WCW at that yeah, time. That's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he screwed me over real bad, man. Really? Yeah, I left, I left, I left uh, WWE. And the reason I left is I'd been offered this humongous contract with WCW. And I remember you were booked on top there. Yeah. It was basically a $3 million a year contract. But before I could get there and sign it, Bill Watts came into power and he tore the contract up. Because he, really? he, he knew that I'd already left up there. So what am I going to do? I can't go back. So he basically got me for pennies on the dollar. So you eventually come back to WWF yeah. with the born again Christian gimmick, yeah. which I have never to my life seen that in wrestling other than when you did yeah. it in the mid nineties. Right. Was that life mirroring reality? Was that a gimmick? Yes. Tell me about it, that. It was, it was my life at the time. I was, I was struggling so hard to stay clean and I turned my life over to Christ and, um, you know, it, it takes so much to get clean. You got to change everything about you. And I, I give it up and I had to reach out to God because I couldn't do it. Yeah. So you there, and then we've got to talk about one of the most famous things to ever happen in wrestling. And you were directly involved. King of the ring, 96, you yeah. and Austin. Oh yeah. And Austin turns your, turns the gimmick around on you and cuts his iconic Austin 316 mm -hmm. promo. Mm -hmm. Did you know that was coming? I mean, walk me yeah. through your end of that. Yeah, I knew it was coming. I mean, I was only I was one of the only few people that believed in Steve Austin. And I had been schooling him and talking to him and helping him to get a big break. Vince McMahon said he was not a main eventer. So uh, the Austin 316 thing certainly helped, and that match certainly helped. That was the beginning for him, that match. And I put him over and, and turned him into a superstar. Yeah. Did anyone it, in the locker room have any idea what had just happened when that promo happened? No, no. No, they didn't get it yet. I did. Yeah. I why exactly why did you? Happened. Did you just see did you see how good it was? Well, I believed him and I already believed in him. Mm -hmm. And it was the perfect promo for that time. Take so advantage. What, you gotta take advantage of what's out there. What's so given to you. Obviously, when he says Austin 316, that's big. But right before that, he says to you, he goes real personal on you. He goes, oh, yeah. get yourself a bottle of Thunderbird or something like that. Oh, He's yeah. going off your demons. What did you think yeah. of that? Were you okay with that? 
I didn't like that, but I'm sure Vince had something to do with that. Vince is a, a cold-hearted bastard, man. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember they did the storyline with uh, Jerry Lawler, and he threw whiskey on me and stuff and called me a drunk. Yeah, that was pretty, that dug in pretty hard, man. What's your relationship been like with Vince ever since? Do you have you seen him in years or uh, I seen him whenever I got this ring for the Hall of Fame? Yeah, but that's it. Yeah, I don't so, have a relationship with Vince McMahon. Gotcha. Do you have negative feelings toward him? Sure, I do. Really? Just from sure the treatment while Just you were there? The treatment and this his treatment of talent that went up there and gave their lives. And uh, guys didn't, didn't, you know, so many guys have needed help since those years, you know, for injuries, and, and he has nothing to give for it. Yeah. I've had, I've had several injuries that I had to have taken care of, but the one that really stuck, stuck a real big knife in me was uh, Kamala. You know, he had, to have his, he had to have his legs amputated. I heard about that, yeah. And Vince McMahon had nothing for him. Yeah. Nothing. And Yet Kamala this guy, passed away a few years ago, yeah. Yes, he did. And here Vince McMahon is a multi-multi-billionaire. How did you make your money, Vince? By those wrestlers? <laughs> yeah. Come on. That's it. And so after WWE, mm -hmm. um, you kind of move around different places, kind of on the indie sure. circuit to an extent. What's yeah. life like for you at this point? I mean, reading your bio, it's, point, it's back oh, and man. forth. It's, it is so good. Now that I'm clean and sober, man, my life is free. I am free. Talk to I mean, me about your work in getting clean and sober. That that took a long time after the 90s, yeah, it correct? It took, took three years. Really? I lived, with, I lived with Diamond Dallas Page for almost three years. Well, two and a half years. And it was you and Scott Hall, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Dallas was our guardian. We were we were in a compound there, man. And they watched us like hawks. What do you mean yeah. your guardian to make sure you couldn't get access to drugs, right. alcohol, whatever? It made sure I was protected. I never left the house alone. I yeah. didn't drive. I cut my driver's license up because I wanted to get sober. Yeah. More than anything. And by God, I did it. And it was a lot of hard work. You know, uh, I went from being an eight ball a day a guy with cocaine and the booze to go with it and the pills. And I just went cold turkey. Are uh, you surprised, Jake? Are you surprised you're still here? Yes. Yes. I wouldn't be if, it, if I hadn't gotten clean. Really? Yeah, I'd have been dead a long time ago. And so close. you go through that with Dallas. Why has Dallas done this for other wrestlers? I mean, he's really made it almost a, a passion and a ministry for mm -hmm. himself there. Well, he's doing it out of his love for the game and love for the business and the love for the talent. Yeah. He really cares, you know, and uh, he, he, he lives his life on his sleeve, man, and he, he does what he believes. 
and yeah, it, it helped his business doing it. Uh, his business blew up over that time. So it was helping Dallas. It was helping me. This he was not. Me, he helped no, me because no. I had helped him in the beginning. Yeah. When everybody else said he was too old to get into wrestling, I helped him get into wrestling. I wanted to get your opinion on something that touches on drugs and alcohol. A lot sure. of your recovery at this point is around the times of the Chris Benoit tragedy. Yeah. You, you're in the industry. What was that like yeah. for the business? It stunned everybody, man. Nobody's seen that coming. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I still don't believe it. God knows, but I don't. I, I, I just don't see that happening. The things that happened in that house and the way they happened and the timeline that they happened, you know, it didn't happen in 15 minutes in a moment of rage. It was strung out over two days. You know, yeah. the boy died, the, the child died first, then the wife died, and then he killed himself over two days. And I just don't, I, I just what did you What did you think about the public conversation about wrestlers with drugs and CTE? Did yeah. you think that was fair there, or did you think it was so awful that other wrestlers shouldn't be lumped into that conversation? You know, I don't know. This CTE thing, man, is, is real serious. I know I have issues. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I wrestled for a long time, and I went and did all the tests, and they said, well, how many, how many uh, concussions do you think you had a year? Well, honestly, probably five or six, but let's say three. Let's just say three a year. Okay, but I wrestled for for 28 years yeah three times 28 is not a good number when you have 60 or 70 freaking concussions and i know that at times i have problems with my speech and my feet and things are starting to go different ways now yeah. you know and my thinking's not not clear so let's talk about something a little more positive. A few years yeah. ago, you pop up on AEW. Tony Khan brings you in. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. Was that exciting for you to come back oh, for AEW? Man, it, it, was, it was a gift, man. It really was. And I'm still there. I'm still working for AEW. I work behind the scenes. And I still manage one of one great talent. And Lance Archer, he... He's been hurt and he's been cleared now. We're fixing to get back in the ring and go for it again. But to go back out there after being gone for 20 years, man, it was it was amazing. What a rush. What have you thought about AEW coming into the business and this massive other company, this alternative to WWE? I love it. I love it. It's good for the talent. And how are you physically today? I mean, you've talked about it all, and I've read that oh, I think yeah. you were on oxygen at one point, and it's been rough. Yeah. How are you doing in general? You look pretty good based on looking at you right yeah, here. I'm doing, I'm doing good now, man. I uh, got the oxygen thing taken care of. Uh, I do stuff now to to ward off some of the problems that I, I have and some that are still coming. Uh, I do need another hip replaced. Uh, be my third one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so we may have that. you, uh, I hear, possibly next month in Jacksonville for WrestleCon. Damn and right I'm going to be there, man. 
And there's been a lot. I mean, you've been in Jacksonville a lot lately because that's where AW is. You excited to yeah. come to the show? Sure, I am. I get to see the fans, man. I love talking to the fans. You know, they take me back. You Talk know, to me kind of... about those those fan experiences. I mean, most oh, man, celebrities awesome. or athletes, you know, they kind of wither and go, but wrestlers stick around. The fans still yeah, love them after decades. They do. They do, man. They they they'll come to me and they're so happy. Sometimes they're so caught off that they can't even speak you know i think that's so funny but i love to hear their stories about the first time they watched me wrestler wrestle who who were they with you know it's usually grandfather or their dad and it was special times and uh, sometimes they tear up because they're remembering somebody that's gone now and uh, sometimes i want to tear up because they'll remind me of a match that i've forgotten about you know yeah. and uh it's just it's just great to take pictures with them, to sign the autographs, to sign their memorabilia. I love doing it, and uh, just come on out, man, because I'm going to be there only Saturday, though. I'm only going to be there on Saturday. Gotcha, Saturday, June the 10th. Well, that we're going to be there too. We'll be looking for you. Um, cool. And um, so, in general, this AEW thing. What? So you're behind the scenes. The young talent is the. Teaching what's the, the general talent. atmosphere of the company? I think it's good. There's some issues up right now, but it's a young company. They're going to be issues. Everybody's still trying to find their spot. And I want to know, clear. when was the last time you were physically around a snake? It's been a while. Three, year, three years ago on AEW, they brought one in. They did bring one in and you had to yeah, face the old fear? I, I had to face it one more time. Who do you keep with? Who do you keep in touch with uh, in the Hacksaw. industry? Oh, you keep in touch with Hacksaw? Yeah, man, we're buds. Yeah, I saw yeah. he was holding a guy, uh, an intruder, into his house at gunpoint a yeah, few months sure back. Yeah, sure was, man. That was pretty scary, man. It really shook his wife up. And, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, it shake me up too. But you and Hacksaw remain good. That's that's good. Oh yeah, me and Hacksaw, and then me and of course me and DDP are tight all the time. Sure. And I'm and what part of the country are you living in now? I live in Smyrna, Georgia, outside Atlanta. And I made the mistake of saying when you started, were you in Stone Mountain? You told me you were in <laughs> Texas. Was Stone yeah. Mountain a gimmick, or were you? Did yeah. you ever live there? Just a gimmick. I met my wife there. Oh, so that's how you chose Stone Mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And what's it like today versus say 1995? Living clean. I mean. Talk to me about the different perspective you have on just oh, life and your day-to-day -day world. I actually do things that I enjoy. You know, when you're a drug addict, all you do is, is drugs. That's yeah. all. You don't have time for anything else. Your lover is your drug. Your partner is your drug. You know, you're, you're handcuffed to it, man. You stay in a house and do it. That's it. So now I'm going out and seeing things. Um, this last week, we went out and got in a sailboat and went out and followed dolphins around for a while. That was fun. Yeah. And uh, we just went to the beach and just hung out and walked in the sand and felt great. And you're about as open of a book. I mean, we've seen in this podcast yeah. as anyone I think I've ever met. Why are you yeah. so open with your life? I don't want to live a lie. So I just live the truth, man. Plus, I've got a book coming out in the next couple of months. What do you know? What's going to be called? What people can look for it as? The Book of Jake. 
the book of Jake. So we'll keep an eye yeah. on that. Yeah, do that, man. Jake the Snake Roberts, it has been an absolute pleasure. We will definitely look for you next month in Jacksonville. Absolutely, Thank you so man. much for joining us today. Take Thanks care. again, Jake. So just a gripping interview with Jake there. Um, once again, he'll be at Jacksonville uh, River City WrestleCon at the fairgrounds June 10th and 11th. He says he'll be there on the 10th. A lot of other wrestlers will be there both days. Um, but yeah, just a hard life talking about uh, his father and the difficulties there and what he said about his dad's past and having to hear about it from all the other wrestlers uh, in the locker rooms over the years was difficult. The drugs and the alcohol saying he's finally got himself to a point where he's clean now. You've seen him. He's with Lance Archer. He's kind of his manager in East, or AEW. So he's been doing a lot in this company um, and, and really has gotten his life to an extent uh, really back on track as a performer. Still with this industry for 50 years. And I asked him, Jake, do you still think you should be here? And he said if it wasn't for Dallas Page, he may not be. If you don't know the story of Diamond Dallas Page, look it up. He does DDP yoga. And he's helped so many wrestlers. He helped Scott Hall before Scott Hall passed for a number of years. We talked to Mark Marrow on a previous episode here on Going Ringside. I think that may have been episode nine where we spoke to Mark Marrow about that. Um, so it is uh, just interesting to see what Dallas Page has done for all these wrestlers to get their lives back on track. Just some really good work out of his uh, facility up there in Georgia. So this was our interview with Jake. I hope you enjoyed it. We're going to be back here. This was episode 13. Episode 14 will debut next Wednesday. So thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Going Ringside. This has been Going Ringside with the local station brought to you every Wednesday on your favorite podcast player on News 4 Jax Plus as well as the News 4 Jax YouTube channel.